listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We want to jump into this today. If you saw the... the um if you saw the uh, title on the broadcast, uh, we're talking about accessing explosive blessing by the GFM rule. And just to give you a quickly um, a definition of what that means, I didn't want to write it all out because it's like so much, so much to put in a, in a title. But GFM, it is. It's like the longest you know what title it made ever. Me, like think of when I read it real GMOs. <laughs> Greatest common factor because. Oh, because you're doing it with I Maddie. read it real fast, and I'm like, why is he throwing math equation into this <laughs> title tonight? Good morning, that's Rodney. That's all I've been doing with Maddie in fifth grade math every day. <laughs> morning, Joe. Good morning, Peter. Um, so what what it stands for, GFM, that we want to take this time today, because this is like one of the things that's changed our life and ministry forever, um, is just always operating in this, and it's the God-first mentality. The God first mentality. And if you're taking notes or if you're writing comments, I want you to put that in. I want you to type that phrase into the comments. God first mentality. God first mentality. And I I think that there's a lot of Christians that think that they operate with a God first mentality when in reality they don't. They don't. And that's why we want to break it down in this session today because it is the element that will ensure that you experience explosive growth and explosive blessing throughout your life. And a couple of days ago, you know, I did a, I did a, a, an episode on, you know, is your blessing governed by seasons? And the answer to that is no. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate you sowing a seed. Um, the answer to that is no. Your blessing is not governed by seasons. It's governed by your obedience. And um, that's why today, you know, we have de- declared and decided by faith we're confessing that 2020 is going to be a year of violent increase and expedited favor. Two things we're saying, and we've been saying since last October, violent increase and expedited favor. But what I said to you yesterday is we're not just going to say that. We're not just going to confess this is my year of violent increase. Violent. We're going to take steps and take action by faith to ensure that this is my year of violent increase. I'm not just going to confess it. I'm going to do something that ensures I access my covenant with God. I do something that affirms my faith in his word so that he has something to interact with and bring that violent increase into my life. Well, the thing is... Thanks for sowing, Ro. We love you. Thank you so much. Um, The thing is, not everything... um, in the word of God can just be a confession. No. So you, almost nothing. Uh, right, but what I'm saying is, like, w- when it comes to giving that we're well, going to yeah. de- deal with, yep. you can't keep confessing in every season about money's coming to you. Right. I'm calling money in. I I need increase. I need God to bless me financially without ever sowing a seed. Absolutely. Which is the action. 
you know, your confession is nothing without a seed, nothing when it comes to giving. So that's why when a lot of people come to us for prayer and that, you know, and used to do that working at the church. Oh, for sure. Your first question was like, if they came to me, a tither, they'd say, could you pray? Would you pray that God would bless me financially? Right. So, so if this is something that you're dealing with, I would say no, you have to realize (laughs) that you can't call money in if you've never given money. I would say that people would be like, could you just pray that God would bless me financially? I'd say, no. It, it Let me ask you some questions. Do you tithe? It doesn't, yeah. Do you give offerings above your tithe? Okay. Because if you don't do either of those two things, there is nothing I can pray. Absolutely nothing I can pray. Except maybe the prayer of repentance and say, God, forgive me for not being a tither in the past. Forgive me for not giving in the past as you instructed me in your word. Now, Lord, I will turn my life around and I will do what your word says to do. Now your word says uh, that you give seed to the sower. I am telling you today by faith, I will be a faithful sower. Please put seed in my hand, Lord. That's the only prayer I can pray for somebody. So when you do what we're talking about, this God first mentality, you won't go through that issue because when you have the God first mentality, you're going to be that actual sower to receive that. Absolutely. And I want to start um, today with Matthew 6.33 as the base text. And we're going to give you a bunch of scripture today um, and a a bunch of different things to think about and meditate on as a believer. But Matthew 6.33 is a really great source text uh, for this God first mentality. And you should know it by heart. I'm sure you do. Um, But listen to this, what Jesus said, Matthew 6.33, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Now, let's stop for a second. Um, Ro, uh, what you need to do, if you would, is just email um, Jenna at MiracleWord.com. Karen will put it in the comment section. But let me say this. When you see that verse where the Bible says, um, and all these things will be added unto you. You have to ask yourself the question, what things? Because if you take that verse out of context, you might think, well, he's talking about spiritual things, brother. You know, you have to know when you seek the kingdom and then spiritual things will come into you. But I want you to look in context at this text, Matthew chapter six, what Jesus was actually talking about. I want, I want you to look at this, um, starting with verse 25 of Matthew six, listen, Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your physical body, what you'll put on to wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? Somebody needs to send PETA that verse. PETA needs to hear that verse. We are more valuable than animals. And which of you, verse 27, by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious saying, well, what am I going to eat? Or what what am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Now we know what the things are. What are you going to eat? What are you going to wear? How are you going to live? What about my physical body? All these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus is saying that what you've got to understand is God already knows the things you have need of and the, the what you have to have in your life and what your children need and what you need. Don't be anxious about it. And don't sit around wondering how you're going to bring it to pass or how it's going to take place. Jesus, by the way, once again, was not talking about spiritual things. This context, he's speaking about natural provision for your life and family. But what does he say the key is? First, seek the kingdom and his righteousness. Don't seek clothing. Don't seek a house. Don't seek food. Don't seek a job. Those should never be your first priority, but seek the kingdom and his righteousness. Two things, the kingdom, that is covenant details. That's the kingdom of God, seeking covenant details. What does the word tell me to do and how can I accomplish it quickly? And his righteousness, that is ensuring you stay in that position of righteousness by holy living. So two things, holy living and accomplishing covenant details, if you put those things first, then the Bible says God will make sure everything else is just added to you. You know, and as you do that and things are added to you, you have to make sure you stay in that correct, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you you stay in that, that God first mentality because as things get added to you, you change levels. That's right. And more comes in. And you know, there's things I I purposely do because I never want things to get a hold of me. That's right. You know, because you you operate this way and what I have now at 37 years old, I have way more than I did at 23. Yeah. When we got married. No question. And then also, you know, where my kids have started today is nowhere near where where I was at their age and no. what I had and what I was around. Right. Nowhere near. So as I've increased, you know, as we have increased, we got married at a young age. So as we've yeah, increased together, you know, we've had to do things to make sure we stay in that um, doing God first mentality. For example, recently... I, one of my favorite things to have is shoes. That's my thing. He likes watches, whatever, you know, different hobbies he has. But for me, shoes is like, I'm very particular about my shoes. I'm very, that that's my thing. Out of all accessories, that would be my thing. And so, you know, but there are lots of times where the Lord gives me an instruction to go through my closet mm-hmm. several times a year and give, give things. And what I've started to do, because sometimes it's hard to give something that you have that you really like. Absolutely. And it's easy to go for the the shoes that you just don't really wear anymore or the ones that are in the back of the closet. But this last time I gave um, several pairs of shoes away to somebody, the Lord told me to give shoes away that I still like, that I still wear, and that, you know, that 
there's nothing wrong with them. And I realized that the Lord was having me make sure that I could release mm-hmm. things that I like, that things will never have me. That's in right. In order for me to have more of the things. Because like Ted was saying, it, it it's not talking about spiritual blessing. It's talking right. about physical things, things that you like, things that you take hold of in your hand. Absolutely. And and, and money. And, and he wants you to have all of this stuff while you're here living on earth. It's not, you know, waiting till you get to heaven. This is my junky car, but my Rolls Royce is on the streets of of gold that's not that's not how, how it works that's not what he wants <laughs> right. and so i had to make sure i gave something that i really liked when that stuff you've done too as well absolutely to to make sure that it doesn't have me and it's something that we should practice because as we change levels and we get more we have to realize who it came from you know i was reading the bible this morning and my little boy woke up and i was reading psalms and I was asking him questions and, mm-hmm. and different things. And he would go, you know, he's three. So he would go, I don't know. <laughs> and then I would just say, does Jesus, did Jesus give us this house? Yes. Does Jesus put the food on the table? Yes. Does Jesus give you all your toys? Yes. So it's something that you instill at a young age Absolutely. to your kids that everything comes from him, but we have it because we're seeking him first. We're putting him first. We're getting on the road. You know, every I, I, I instill that to our kids all the time. We have this. It's from him. It belongs to him. Yep. He gave it to us because of what we do first. No question. And that's... That's a point people need to get because understanding that a seed that you release, when God speaks to you to release something, uh, it doesn't really mean much if it doesn't mean anything to you. It ha- I, and we talk about this all the time. It's got to mean something to me in order to mean something to God. And so one of the things that um, we look at, that it's in Matthew chapter 19, and you know this, it's the story of the rich young ruler. And he came to Jesus wanting to be a a disciple and wanting to, uh, he said, what do I have to do to receive eternal life? And Jesus said, keep the commandments. He said, I've done that since I was a little boy. And uh, he said, well, you're only lacking one thing. Uh, And this is what he says. He says, um, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. And the Bible says in verse 22, and when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. My grandfather used to preach, he didn't have great possessions, great possessions had him. Because look through the gospels and let me ask you a question. How many other people in the Bible, in the gospels, did Jesus tell them to sell everything they have and give it to the poor? No one else except this man. This is the only case where Jesus asked somebody to sell every possession they had and give it to the poor. And the reason he did it, it was a test of the heart of this young man because Jesus knew what was gripping his life. The thing that was gripping his life was his love for things, his love for money, his love for possessions. And he went away sorrowful because he couldn't obey the command of Christ to put Christ over his things, to put Christ over his money and possessions. And you know, that's the truth today. Do you realize that there are people, and I love what um, uh, Sarah put up from my cousin's book, um, only when everything means nothing to you will you begin to get everything. And that's exactly the case. If you you understand that- I remember that switching for me at a young age. Oh yeah, for sure. And what ends up happening is, is God cannot bless you and put you in a place 
where he knows that the things he gives you will become a God in your life and actually pull you away from him. God's not going to do that. Listen, God loves your soul and your spirit man coming to heaven more than he does putting things into your life that he knows would pull you away from him. And that'll never happen. God will never, you know, God will never bless you beyond your means to contain it. What I mean, what I mean by that is, I don't mean God will never give you overflow. What I mean is God will never bless you to the point that your flesh begins to love the blessing more than you love him. And then actually put that first. And you understand once that begins to happen, people begin to fall. And that's why my wife was mentioning that as we change levels, every time you change levels of blessing, it requires a greater level of humility. This would be a great thing for you to write down and put in the comments section. Every every time I change levels, it requires a greater level of humility. A great, just I'll give you an easier way to write it. A, a greater level of blessing requires a greater level of humility. A greater level of blessing requires a greater level of humility. Why do I say that? Because as my wife was just teaching my son, did Jesus give us this house? Yes. Did Jesus give us uh, our food? Yes. Did he give you your toys? Yes. That understanding right there will keep you in a place of humility, knowing I didn't provide this house for myself. I didn't provide these clothes for myself. It's actually a great way to think because it leaves all the pressure off of you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You put pressure on the word. No question. put pressure on the word and what is squeezed is what's going to come out. So put pressure on the word. Take it off of yourself. Stop saying these two hands got me everything. Tell, the Lord did it. The Lord yep. did it and I will honor him. I will walk. It says in Psalm 58, 11, when I was reading this morning, then at last everyone will say there truly is a reward for those who live for God. Absolutely. Truly yeah. is a reward. When you start to think that you are the source of all your blessings, guess what God will do? God will take his hands off and say, if you think it's you, go ahead and do everything that you can do for yourself. But when you acknowledge it's him and only him, one of the greatest things to understand is I would be absolutely nothing without the Lord. I would be absolutely nothing. And do you know when we, when I was growing up, <clears throat> we would sing songs like that in church. There were hymns, there were songs that we would sing to keep us in the understanding. There, I remember there's an old song, without him, I would be nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. We'd sing that all the time because it was important to understand without Jesus, without God, our father, without the Holy Spirit, our lives would mean nothing. We could do nothing. I can do nothing without him, but with him, I can do all things. Yeah. See, he's the source. God is the source of promotion. God is the source of blessing. God is the source of increase. Psalm 75 verses six and seven. Are you in Psalms right now? Flip over to 75 if you would. Psalm 75. I'd like you to read verses six and seven uh, so we can fully understand this because it's never me. It's always him. Uh, for no one on earth from east or west or even from the wilderness should raise a defiant fist. It is God alone who judges. He decides who will rise and who will fall. That's it. Keep going. That's it. He, he alone decides who will rise and who will fall. Nobody else decides. I can't decide for myself that I will rise. No, he decides by my faithfulness who will rise and who will fall. The One translation says promotion doesn't come 
from the east or the west or the south. Promotion comes from the Lord. He decides who will rise and who will fall. So he looks at faithfulness. And if we're, if we're humble enough to be faithful to him and say, I'm going to put him first, put his principles first, and I'm going to make sure that he is my all. Guess what? That was Psalm 75 verses six and seven. Psalm 75 verses six and seven. He alone decides who will rise and who will fall. Um, Remember Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six, the Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Those that diligently seek him. So a God-first mentality is a mentality that is seeking God first. I won't work, you know, even when I was working in the, in the corporate world or, or whatever, I worked for MasterCard for a number of years. I worked for, I worked for a, a couple of other corporations. And um, I would never work a job. And I was blessed. Trust me when I tell you, I was extremely blessed doing those things even at a young age. I would never work a job that required me to work on Sunday and miss God's house. You know why? That's putting my provision over the house of God. I honor him first. Well, they won't let me have the job if I don't work on Sundays. Find another job. God will honor you for putting him first. I would never work a job that kept me out of church on Sunday, ever. God is first. His house is first. Hebrews 10.25, the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some, but as you see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more. I'm not going to spend less time in church. I'm going to spend more time in church. And if I've got a job that's going to, how it, explain to me how it's possible that Muslims can get free to go to mosque without penalty, but Christians have to just sit around and just take whatever the corporation dishes out. You don't see, let me tell you something. You would not see a corporation in America telling a Muslim that said, I have to be in mosque on Friday and tell them, no, no, you can't go to mosque. You have to, you have to make sure you're at work or we're going to fire you. Let me tell you, that would be a front page story. Muslims fired for their uh, conviction to go to mosque and be diligent in their uh, Islamic faith. It would be front page news. If somebody told a Muslim, you can't go to mosque, you've got to be at work or you're fired. And let me tell you, Christians just sit back and take it. The Christians just sit back. Well, they said I got to be there, so I won't be able to be at church, Pastor. Get some Holy Ghost cojones. Well, I'm convinced that it just proves how many people out there that are Christians that are not filled with the Holy Spirit. And they don't care. Because as I was reading Acts the other day, you cannot, it's like impossible to truly be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, be in the anointing and keep getting filled and refilled and have zero boldness. That's right. Zero boldness. This is the importance. It is a requirement. I'm not trying to get off track here to be filled with the Holy spirit in order to fulfill what God has called us to do in everyday life. I'm not even talking about, you know, to be somebody who's on a, standing on a pulpit or on a, soapbox on the street trying to spread the gospel. I mean, every day activities, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to have the boldness and the power to do what God's called us to do. And it's not just the fivefold ministry. Absolutely. It's the key. 
I have a bold, yeah, I have a boldness to say I'm putting God first. And if that offends people in the corporate world, if it offends people, you know, there's people that will invite you over for dinner while you're on a fast. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's so-and-so's birthday. And if you don't eat with us, how could you do that on her birthday? Cause I'm honoring God first, not her birthday. Learn to just stick <laughs> like, up. The thing that always cracks me up is what makes people upset. You know, you wouldn't let somebody come and break in your home and you just casually sit on the couch and say, feel free. My jewelry's on that dresser. You know, I got cash, you know, hidden under my mattress over there. Absolutely not. People fight back. You're driving, simple driving, and somebody honks at you and you're ready to go all like gung-ho on them out the window. Mm -hmm. But then the enemy comes or like you said, you've got th this that happens and nobody sticks up and says anything for, for their Christianity. It's like, get the fight back in your eyes. Get the fight. Get the fight back in your eyes and stand up for the things of God. He took it for you. Stand up for the things of God. Absolutely. I'm so tired of running into and dealing with this weak Christian mentality mm -hmm. that we have that I get it you know the whole like you turn the other cheek but it's like you're, but that you're doesn't taking have that I know but you're that's what I'm saying you're taking it out of context totally and the, and the walking in love everyone wants to well, walking in, walk love. in love well, you know what I love my children I would give my life for my children but they're gonna get out of line you better believe that it's I'm gonna love them with correction and discipline and we have yeah. to get that boldness back inside of us and that fire in our eyes and go after it imagine I mean like it's put it's the putting God first principle so like what are you gonna say what would you say to Shadrach Meshach and Abednego well you know just learn how to walk in love and peace and if they want you to bow to the statue you know you can do it just bow and but still serve your God but don't cause any you know don't get don't ruffle any Everybody's feathers walk in love. It's like that's a stupid way of thinking. Yeah. I put God first. It's a and wussy any, way of thinking. And any anybody that pull tries to pull me away from putting God first doesn't understand uh my conviction and doesn't also understand my dedication to the Lord. And they they themselves, that shows that they themselves are not dedicated to the Lord. Don't be a jellyfish Christian. You know what that is? Spineless. Absolutely. <laughs> Listen to this. First Samuel chapter two. <laughs> Just got that vision in my head. This is a story. If you do not, if you don't know the story of Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who didn't care about God's house. They were priests unto God, but they didn't care. They would defile the temple of God, hold parties. They would eat uh, more than their due of the sacrifices that were given, all this stuff. And God was ticked off about it. And uh, in verse 27 of 1 Samuel 2, I want you to hear this principle. And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord, did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod for me? I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I command for my dwelling and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering for my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, now look at this. This is important. This is verse 30. Now the Lord declares, I, um, Far be it from me, for I will, for those who honor me, 
I will honor, but those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Those who despise me. So God honors, God doesn't honor everybody the same. And that's what people need to realize. You know, people think that just because we get in, we came into the body of Christ, well, everybody's at the same level. No, God honors those who honor him and his covenant and his word and his leading. He'll honor those. If you want a New Testament um, passage uh, in correlation to that, read John 14, 21, you'll see it. You'll see it. God honors those who honor him. Put him first, he'll put you first. Lightly esteem him and you'll be lightly esteemed. Yeah. You'll, your life will be lightly esteemed by God. If the NLT says, I will despise those. Yeah, exactly. Well, let, me, let me read it Read it from the NLT. Verse 30, the Bible says, I will honor those who honor me, but I will despise those who think lightly of me. I will. You don't, don't want, want to be, be in a place. despised by God. Absolutely not. <laughs> You don't want to find yourself in a place where God despises you. You know what the Bible, because that really what that is, is pride. And the Bible says God opposes the proud. You do not want to be in a place in your life where God is actively opposing you. It's <laughs> like stiff arming you like he's a running back in the NFL. You don't want to catch a stiff arm from God and have God oppose you because you're walking in pride. And here he'll despise those who yeah. despise him. All that means is you Don't can't take the, the wrong side of the field. <laughs> you can't take the things of God lightly. No. You can't take the things of God lightly. It will not work. It absolutely will not work. And so what? He'll what, vomit you out. The Bible yeah, says you can't be you lukewarm. You can't be lukewarm. You can't take it lightly because then he will vomit you out. You'll be puke and you'll be despised. <laughs> you'll be puke. <laughs> Revelation three sixteen. You'll be puke. That's what the Bible says. Carolyn's virgin. But think about it. You'll be puked. You will be puked. Out of his mouth. That's what Out the Bible says. Out of his mouth. So that means you are a legit vomit. You will be... You, you are be, puke. You are puke. Put that in the comment section. Don't be puke. Don't be puke or don't be despised. Would you, there are two um, bad positions to be in. Would you read Isaiah uh, chapter 28 and verse 13? I, I want to get that in before we go further. Isaiah 29, what, what verse did I say? 13? Yeah. Don't anybody fall into lust while I've been down. Why are you doing that? I just want to make sure that I did it before the broadcast was over. Oh, hopefully, your computer? Hopefully nobody fell into lust right there. I didn't um, even look up. I didn't want to look up and see. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be puke. Well, I say a 29. Uh, Listen, I want the people 13. watching to get a real idea of what they would look like. Of course. I will <laughs> vomit you out of my mouth. Um, Isaiah 29, 13. I want to hear the, how the NLC. Uh, I am so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. What, what? <laughs> Said I'll never read that verse the same again. That's right. Good. Billion, That's good. good job. <laughs> uh, Isaiah 29, 13. I want you to hear this. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rot. You see that? That is such an important verse to understand. Mm -hmm. God is speaking by uh, through the prophet Isaiah and he says that the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So understand this. And in, in this upcoming book that I'm getting ready to release further faster, I have a whole chapter on something called internal honor versus what we would call manufactured honor. 
You know, it's possible to say that you honor somebody, but in your heart, you despise them. It's possible to just say it, but see, you can't do that forever because the Bible says out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will eventually speak. So you can say you honor somebody, but your actions will prove differently. And that's what this broadcast is about today. It's not just about saying, well, I'm sold out for God. I honor God. It's what actions are you taking to prove that you're putting God first in your life? How are you proving by action that you have a God first mentality? Because this is the thing that will cause explosive growth in your life is making sure that in every situation of life, he is first. I'll never, you're not gonna find me out of God's house. Let me tell you a very sad statistic. They tell us now, I was talking to my friend, um, Pastor Joel Stockstill about this. And he and I were talking about uh, some of the common trends in America with church now. Do you know that the average Christian, or I, I should just say churchgoer, the average churchgoer is now attending church one Sunday out of the four every month on average. 25% of the Sundays in a month, and that's it. And they're telling us that's why Easter Sunday is the largest Sunday of the year, but then the Sunday after it is the lowest attended Sunday of the year. It's because all the people that come once a month chose that Sunday to come, and then they all don't come back the next Sunday. Very, very sad, and it shows that people don't care about the things of God. Uh, as a whole. Now, I'm not talking to those of you that are watching. Obviously, you're faithful. You're here every day on this broadcast. It shows you have a hunger for the things of God. But what we're saying is look at those that are out there that just don't care about the things of God. The Bible says that in the last days that the hearts of many would grow cold, that there'd be a great, there'd be a falling away. People that once served God would fall away from their serving. And it would. it's because they, they're in a place in their life where they lightly esteem the things of God. They despise the things of God. And so the Bible says they will be despised because they despise me. And so your actions, one of the things that Carolyn and I, and we talk about this just as an example because we want people to understand practically what does it mean? What does it mean to have a God first mentality? Well, we had a, a, a really a rule in our in our own marriage for, you know, we still have it is that when we look at even blessing each other, you know, I would, and this, and I can tell you for sure, God honors us for this, is that my wife is not gonna go out and buy me a gift or get something for me that would be more expensive than something we've done for God. And let me give you an example. She would never go out, let's just say, for example, it was like my, our anniversary or one of my birthdays, like let's say, you know, my birthday came up and she really wanted to bless me. And she said, you know what, I'm gonna go out and buy him um, a Rolex or something like that. And let's say that, you know, the Rolex was $8,500 for the watch. She would never do that ever. If there was never a time in our lives where we hadn't put $8,500 or more in an offering plate. And I'm talking at one time, not in a year. I'm talking at once. If I've, you know, cause think not, not to say that your offerings are a purchase for God, but think about this. If I can't even give God $8,500, what business do I have putting $8,500 on my wrist? No business. I have zero business doing that. That's me saying to God, my watch, my timepiece is more important than your kingdom. And it's a mistake. It is, a, and there's nothing wrong with having a Rolex. There's nothing at all wrong. I have expensive watches. But understand, 
Nothing wrong with the blessing, but it should never be prioritized above God's kingdom. That's what Matthew 6, 33 is all about. Seek ye first the kingdom. The first thing that should happen in our life is that that $8,500 be an offering to God first before it ever be a purchase for one of us personally, ever, ever. I would never go out and buy her something and say, wow, those are really nice shoes. I see these, uh, you know, whatever, Jimmy Choo's or whatever they, they may be. Oh, that's a $1,500 pair of shoes. I would never go and buy Carolyn a $1,500 pair of shoes if I had never put $1,500 as an offering, not my tithe. I'm not talking about tithe right here. Trust me when I tell you, tithe has nothing to do with this. I'm talking about offerings. Tithing is something you should be doing, period no matter what. And there's no benefit uh, in that way as a harvest coming back from tithing. Tithing is something that we do that really puts us in position to give offerings to God, to bring the harvest. So tithing is not the thing that ensures your increase. Tithing is the thing that puts you in position to sow seeds. You said the T word and we lost 10 people. I saw that, said tithing and 10 people dropped off. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they, people treat it like it's the plague. Tithing, ah! Get out, get out of the, get out of the window. Close the window. Shut down, shut, shut down, the down. abort, abort. Pe people dropped their phone on the sidewalk and started running away. Um, he said tithing, um, but it will never be. It would never be. And she knows that. And it has nothing to do with how much or how little we love each other. It has to do with how much we love God. I love my wife, but trust me when I tell you, I love God more. She loves me, but trust me, she loves God more. I love my children, but trust me, I love God more. And so my children, you know, somebody asked me one time, well, what about a person? You know, that, 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 thank you, Ro. <laughs> thank you. What, you know, someone asked me one time, well, what would happen if you were a person that had to make the choice, you know, to either pay your tithes and sow seed or have dinner on the table for your children? You know what I told them? My children would be fasting and God would get his offering. But because, because we have that, that'll never happen. Because we live like that, that'll never happen. But let me just say, if I was in that position, if she was in that position, God would get his tithe, God would get his offering, and we'd be fasting and praying. Trust me when I tell you that. I promise you before God that that's true. And if you think I'm just saying that to make a point on a broadcast because I'm a preacher and I have to talk like that, you don't know me. <laughs> that is exactly how we would live. We would go without to make sure that God had his, wouldn't we? Absolutely. Absolutely we would. I mean, when we first got married, it was like that and tight. Yeah, so but not long because God honored us quickly. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying is that even though I can remember back at 23, literally going just about like month to month, we still had made a vow to God mm -hmm. that we would do more every year. So even though it was so tight, a first couple years of marriage, we still increased our giving no when question. we did taxes at the end of the year. Absolutely, we did. And, and you never know how it works. And remember this. You don't have to try to figure it out. Because I would do the taxes and send it to the CPA and I would just be like, I don't know how this worked out. 
but, but God allowed us to do it. Always more. And the way the way that it worked out is because God knew our hearts, knew that we were sowers, and He gives seed to the sower. No question. And yes, Sandra, Sandra offering is a must. Offering is a must. Above and beyond your tithe. Because offering is what brings in the increase. That's right. So your tithe isn't going to bring in the overflow and the extra. And you don't, like I say this all the time because it had to be, you know, when you're raised in church, you're you're ingrained in your mind to give the tithe. But you have to kind of switch that verbiage around because you're not giving like you would give a present because you're really just you are giving you know that word but you're you're offering back you're you're giving back to god what is his so it's just returning you're returning yeah, we you're return returning the your money back to god and your offering is what brings in the increase Absolutely. the overflow the extra and into let me, your life and let me tell you god honors you when you honor him in a big way he honors you back i promise you that when you honor God in a big way, he honors you back. No question. Remember when $1,000 was a large seed for us? Mm-hmm. It's not anymore because God kept blessing us. But because we easily were able to now give that away to God you know, often, that's not, that's not even an offering that we give often, but think about this. I was yesterday, you know, God will honor you just because you're a giver. Yesterday, I'm just standing around and a guy comes up to me, hugs me, gives me a, a handshake and I look at, afterwards, I look at, in my hand what he gave me and he get, he put a thousand dollars cash in my hand and just said, I love you. Like, you know, where do those things come from? It comes from Luke 6, 38, given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall God cause men and women to give into your bosom? Happened to me two weeks ago as well. Somebody just sat down with me at dinner and said, I love you. And Carolyn wanted to give you this and gave us a thousand dollars. I mean, like, why does that happen? I don't tell you because I'm, I'm keeping it for myself. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, but you, you understand what I mean? God just causes people to come. You have to ask him about that. Well, you knew about it already. I um, do. But when, when God, when God sees that you honor him on a, on a normal basis, he has no problem. It's like that quote that Sarah mentioned from my cousin's book is exactly true. When, when everything becomes nothing to you, then that's when God can start to give you everything. Because God knows as well. Let me, let me tell you how much God knows about you. I mean, we know that the Bible says the hairs on your head are, are numbered. He knows every detail. But let me tell you what God knows about our hearts. That I'm thankful for that $1,000 gift that somebody hugged me and gave me yesterday. But God also knows that if in the same moment God turned around and said to me, now take that $1,000 and put it in the offering plate. I went, well, there's things, you know, I've got things and responsibilities and we've got... To no, it was like, no problem to me. Boom, take it, Lord. It's yours anyway. Everything I have is his anyway. And because God knows that about me and Carolyn, he has no problem giving us anything because he knows that at any moment, you know what I mean? It's like the time she talked about giving away shoes. I had 14 pairs of dead stock Air Jordan retros in my closet and boxes. And the Lord spoke to me in the service to go home and give them all away. I think I kept one pair at the time. Then you bought me another pair. And I had two pairs. And then New Year's Eve night, I had a beautiful brand new pair of Air Jordan 11 Space Jams and gave them to somebody who was in our house over for dinner. A, a, a guy that was like, man, I really love those shoes you wear. Here, take them. I have no issue. Things will never hold on to me. And that's got to be your confession. Things will never hold on to you. Because when you put God first, there's no issue. He can give you anything and knows that it's not going to hang on to your life. 
And because it'll never hang on to your life, there's nothing God can't put in your hand when he knows that it will not control you and keep you from him. Let me show you what God's doing in heaven. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16. Listen to this. The Bible says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, and the Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. So notice what God's got in heaven. He has a book of remembrance. Notice the context of this scripture. It wasn't people who were disobeying God and who were sinning, and he's writing it down. Oh, I'm going to get you back. You sinned, you dishonored. No, these were people who feared the Lord and obeyed his commandments. And God said, oh, you're going to obey me? You're going to fear me and respect me and, and vow to honor me with your life? I'm writing this down. I'm going to keep a book of remembrance because I'll not forget you. I'll remember you and I'll remember your children and I'll remember your children's children and all of you will be blessed because you honored me. And God keeps your name in a book in heaven and says, I'm going to remember them with my blessing. I'm going to remember them with my goodness. I'm going to remember them with my mercy. I'm going to remember them with my entire force of heaven's blessing. And that's going to be your story. When you esteem him, when you honor him with your actions, he's going to write your name in a book of remembrance and remember you and bless you and bless your children and bless your children's children. In fact, did you know the Bible says that um, the the anger or the curse of God for, for disobedience, it goes to the children and the children's children. But then the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord goes to a thousand generations, goes to a thousand generations. The curse only goes to three generations. The blessing goes to a thousand. God has a book of remembrance in heaven with your name written in it, and he will remember you, and he's going to bless you abundantly, and he's going to put you in a place of supernatural abundance by his power. Let me show you something as my wife's looking for a verse here. I'm going to show you something in the book of James that hit me this morning. There's people, the opposite of what we're teaching today is people who have a me first mentality. Me first. I got to have my stuff before God gets his. Tithes should go out the door first. Offerings should go out the door first. People say, well, I got my paycheck. I need to go buy all the things I want. I, I knew a guy like that once. Spent a lot of time with him. Every time he had a paycheck, I'd come back and he'd have all new stuff. New bowling ball, new golf clubs, new shoes, new clothes. Everything was him first, him first, him first. All the time. But that, I'm telling you, let me tell you what happens when you live like that. Listen to James chapter 4, and I'm going to start with verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder, and you covet, and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you don't ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions, the Bible says. That's verse three. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so I want you to understand what God's saying here. He's saying the reason people ask and don't receive is because when they do receive in the past, they just take that and spend it on their own lusts and passions and don't honor God with what they receive. And so God's saying, why would I continue blessing you 
when you don't honor me with what I bless you with. You just take it and consume it upon your own lusts. It's all about me first, me first, me first. I want mine. It's crazy to me. Like that's why I make fun of it. It's crazy to me that people will come down as an adult, as a full grown adult and put $20 into the offering plate, a $20 bill and then go out to eat and spend 80 and then go buy a flat screen that was 1500 and then go on a vacation that was four grand. And then we'll go, I mean, do all these other things for themselves. Go buy themselves a $200 pair of shoes, walking around with Yeezys on that cost them $400 when they go to a, a shoe store. And, and then you, then you walk down literally to the offering plate and drop a $20 bill in. It's a slap in the face to God who blessed you. It's a slap. You, nobody can even tell me that that's their tithe. Because you can't live in America on $200 paycheck. You can't live in America on a $200 paycheck. You can't. I mentioned this when I was um, in, New, in New York last week. You cannot literally, uh, it's, <laughs> I know, devil gets blamed for there bad or old sound. There's always a devil. There's a demon in the sound, sound system. Yeah, always. Um, but people go down, you know, they put $20 in the offering plate. Listen, honor God. You've got to honor God with your life. You've got to honor God with your substance. Don't have a me first mentality. Have a God first mentality. And um, let me just say this. Did, did you find a scripture you were looking for? Or did you completely? No. Okay. First Chronicles 29 is right. I was right. going to where you were going. Where I was James, at. Okay. Were... Uh, I wanted to kind of finish with this thought because it's important for us to see this. Um. It's, it's in First Chronicles 29, and, and know this, all of you that are watching, I'm sure you know, that the Bible tells us that David, King David, was a man after God's own heart. He was a man after God's own heart. God pointed at him and said, here, I've found a man who is a man after my own heart. And literally, when Jesus came to the earth, uh, there was nobody else that he wanted to be uh, identified with rather than David. He, he called himself Jesus, son of David. Others called him Jesus, son of David, to let us know he was the Messiah. He had come through the royal lineage of David, and David was a man after God's own heart. It's very, very interesting to me that the man who was the man after God's own heart also was the man who gave the largest offering in the history of the Bible, in the history of the body of Christ. I don't know of anyone who has given a larger offering to the Lord than David did, than King David did. And this is something in uh, 1 Chronicles 29 that you'll see as they're getting ready to build the temple of God. And David finds out from the Lord that Solomon, his son, is going to be the one who builds it. But he says, well, if I can't build it, I'm going to sow towards the building of the temple. And in the first verse of um, chapter 29 of First Chronicles, the Bible says, And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great. For the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. So I've provided for the house of, God, of my God so far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, and the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, and the wood for the things of wood, besides great quantities of onyx and stones for setting, antimony, colored stones, all sorts of precious stones and marble. Now look at verses three through five. This will stir your faith. 
um, because it tells us how much he gave. Moreover, in addition to all that, I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own of gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house. And for all the work to be done by craftsmen, gold for the things of gold and silver for things, things of silver, who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord. So not only does David give, he also encourages his elders to give. I did a study one time on just the gold and silver that David gave, and he gave over $6 billion, with a B, $6 billion to the Lord that day to build the temple. But then he says, I want my elders to follow my example. And David's elders stood up, and from their own personal accounts, they give an additional $14 billion all combined. And that offering that day was $20.2 billion in just the gold and the silver. That's not including the bronze or the wood or the precious yeah. stones or anything else. It's just the gold and the silver. $20.2 billion in current value of that offering. And because people don't understand how much money that really is, think of this. You could build Yankee Stadium 13 times and still have $500 million left over after that offering. That is what they gave to build the temple of God. It is interesting to me that the one who God said has his own heart, that's a man after my own heart, is the one who also gave the largest amount to God in the history of people following God. I mean, there's never been someone who gave more, to my knowledge, than $6 billion of offerings, ever. And so you think about that. There's a, there's a connection there. Those who love God don't just connect their time, don't just connect their praise or their worship. They connect their finances. They connect themselves in offerings and in tithing. And God raised up a man to give us an image of what it looks like to put God first. David could have said, no, no, no. This, this six billion is going to my descendants. It's going to my uh, children and my children's children. It's going to my, my descendants after me. But no, he said, it's not. It's going to God and it's going to his house. And do you want to know something interesting that I found in the Bible? David did so much for God in dedication. This will blow your mind. That David then died at an old age. He was 70, probably a few months over 70 years old died of old age, didn't die in battle. God protected him. He just died of old age. And then 305 years later, the people of Israel are in trouble and they're praying to God and saying, God, bring us out, bring us out of this problem. And God says to them, I'm not going to do it for you because you've not been living right. You've not been living correctly according to my word, but I am going to do it for my own sake or my name's sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Now, when God said that to them, David had been dead for 305 years. Do you realize what's happening? 
David had done so much in dedication. He had stored up so much favor for future descendants in Israel. God was still pulling favor out of David's account 300 years after his death. You can literally store up favor in your house for your children, your grandchildren, and people that go on after you. And I'm telling you, a God-first mentality is a mentality that ensures you will be blessed by God. It is a mentality that ensures you will be blessed yeah. by the Lord. And and as he's talking about <clears throat> David was a man after God's own heart, that's exactly where it is because you will know people. And you know what? You can fake things for a little bit. Right. You can fake that you're a giver. You can fake that you have the joy. You can fake, you know, a- anything. You can fake faith. You can fake it for a little bit, Mm -hmm. but eventually it's going to come to a head. It's going to come to a surface in your life Mm -hmm. and you have to realize you have to check your heart. And, and, and it says in Psalms 26 too, and this is what some people should ask the Lord. If you're like, you know what, Lord, I, I think my heart's in the right place. I think I have it, but you know what? Say this Psalms 26 too. put me on trial, Lord, and cross examine me. Test my motives and my heart. Amen. Ask the Lord to test your heart. Do something that you are attached to today. Money, things that you have that you're hanging on to that you think you're never going to get again. Mm -hmm. Ask the Lord in prayer in Psalm 26 too to test your heart. That's right. Do something that you wouldn't normally do and see if you can do it. That's right. Pass the test. Absolutely. Pass the test and be like David, a man after God's own heart and see the blessings of God flood in. Because sometimes no people think they have it and they think, yeah, I'm that person. And if the Lord asked me to do it, you know, they watch someone else or they hear a testimony and they're like, yeah, I do the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And then God asks them and they're like, Wait a second. This yeah. is not a good time, Lord. Right, right. I really don't have the funds to do that because yeah. I got to get this fixed. Or you know, you've at, you've said you would do something. Yep. And, you know that happened not long ago to us. The Lord asked us to give a certain amount, and I had it hung on to. And then a few little things crept up around the house. Yep. That I could have taken that money and said, "Well, that's all right. This needs to be fixed." And instead, I said, "Absolutely yep. not. It's reserved for God. It is." In an account, you know, we have to get savings account to give. We can, we, we have a savings. we have an account that we specifically keep yes. funds in that we're going to give large offerings. Yes, they they stay out of our other accounts because they'll never be accidentally spent. They'll right. never be accidentally used. Oh, I didn't realize that was the money, and oh, we had to do this. Here's a bill. No, we have an account for God at the bank. And see, it's and, a God account. And the thing is, I've tested my heart with the Lord, and and Ted has tested his heart with the Lord, so he knows that even though it wasn't released at that moment, and it sat in that account, that we both agreed and said yes. Yep. This is reserved for the Lord, and no matter what little you know foxes that popped up that tried to take that amount yep. out, we said nope. Absolutely, this comes first, and so the Lord knows, and so. Ask the Lord, I'm telling you right now, in Psalm 26 2, to test your heart. Amen. To make sure that when you're asked to do something, that it, it and it comes easier. Yep. Everything, every time you're giving, every time you're doing you're something. You're putting that flesh under. It, it becomes easier. Yep. So what used to be harder for Ted and I to do, or sometimes take a little time because you're trying to oh, work past your flesh. Now it's like a no brainer. 
Ted comes to me and says, we got to give this away. We got to do this. We yep. need to do this. We need to increase in this area. And, and it's like a no brainer for yes. me because I've seen it and God's tested my heart and I've passed the test yeah. that it's just an okay, a simple, okay, let's do it. I don't even need to think about it. I know That's it. what our reward is going to be if we go for it. And I love what Pastor Bill Motley said, giving reveals your heart. And I would say it's one of the biggest things that reveals your heart because you're giving, your money is representative of your entire life. Yes. Think of all the hours you have to spend at work away from your family, away from your kids, away from what you want to be doing. And when they give you that paycheck, that paycheck is a representation of your entire life. That's 40 hours of my life that I'll never get back right there that's represented in an amount on a paycheck. And when you put that in your bank account, it is literally, when I give in an offering, I am literally giving myself to God because all of the money that I'm putting in, it came from my effort that God blessed me with a job. I give my time, give my effort. I'm away from my family. I'm away from what I'd like to be doing. So when I release that offering to the Lord, I am actually giving God myself because I had to give myself away in order to get that paycheck or get that money. And now I'm putting me in that offering plate and that's showing the Lord, I'll give him all. I'll give him everything. This represents my offering. And I've made up in my mind, Lord, I want you to bless me. And he's already begun. He's done it for the last probably five years. I want you to bless me so that my wife and I give away, give to you what others would make in an entire year. Our goal is, and then to continue to increase from there, but Lord, what people make as an annual salary, we want that to be what we give away to your kingdom on an annual basis and more. I know God's gonna take us to the place where we, we start to give two annual salaries, three annual salaries, five annual salaries, and believe God that it just keeps increasing us and gives, you know, we, I'll say this before we pray. We used to pray that God would bless us. We used to pray God would bless us and we don't pray that anymore because we understand that our blessing comes through obedience to the word and obedience to the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So now you know what we pray instead of God bless my finances, bless our finances. You know what we pray now? God put the largest seeds in our hand that we've ever sown into your kingdom in this new year. Let us have... Because your word declares you give seed to the sower. You know we're sowers. God knows we're sowers. And, and so we pray, Lord, put the largest seeds in our hand that we've ever sown in 2020 in the history of our lives and let us release the biggest things. And you know the two things that we always pray. Number one, let the total amount of our giving be more. And number two, let us give the largest one-time offerings that we've ever given. At, at one time, that was $1,000. At one time, that was $2,500. At one time, that was $5,000. At one time, that was $10,000. But it's no longer at those levels because God's kept taking us higher. And we want, and 20, listen, 2019 was wonderful, but 2020 is gonna be greater. Yeah. And we're going to release the largest seeds one time and in total that we ever have in the history of our life. Because we understand that the blessing doesn't come because we pray God blesses us financially. It comes because we are willing to sow into the kingdom and watch God increase us to the place that people cannot understand it. 
and wicked people grind their teeth in anger, according to the Bible. The Bible says that, that they will grind their teeth in anger when they see the blessing of God upon our lives. But you know, don't be discouraged either. Sometimes God gives you an amount that you may not have. Mm -hmm. So get your heart right, Right. because that's the first test. And yes, Lord, and make that vow that you're going to do it. And then set a savings goal for it. Absolutely, we do that. There's several times... that, you know, and even now to increase us, the Lord says, I want this amount. And so then we start positioning ourselves mm-hmm. for it. So we have our heart right. It's been tested. We said, yes, Lord. So when you say yes, Lord, you're making a vow. Don't break that promise because he's- the Bible says it's better to not vow at all right. than to vow to God and break your vow because he's trusting you with that vow. And, you know, and because for me, a big thing that, you know, is a thing for me is lying or, or making a promise you can't keep. So for me, cause that is so, uh, such a big deal for me. I will say things purposely and it forces me in this position to make sure I do it. That your word so is good. So sometimes in the flesh, I might not want to do something, but I still say it because I know that I would never go back on it. That's right. Never go back on it. That I say it and it forces me to make sure I follow through with it. No question. You know, we will save up for vacations because just like you say, Lord, you're asking me to give $2,500. And when she says we, she means people will. People at large. People will say, Lord, you're asking me to give $2,500. I don't have $2,500. Okay. But that's just like when people plan for a vacation. Yeah. You, you don't have the money right then and there. You are planning for a vacation. Right. So you plan to save. You plan, you know, you book a $1,000 hotel for that week. You know, five nights, $1,000. You don't have it yet. Right. But you hold it because you're going to pay for it. People save up for Same Christmas and Christmas presents. you're giving. Mm-hmm. You don't have it yet. That's okay. The Lord knows that you will and he's testing you to see what you do with it. He's not going to ask you to give $2,500 if he's not going to put that opportunity That's in your right. hand to give. He gives the seed. Because he wants you to increase. That's so right. So say you're going to do it. Get what the Holy Spirit's asking you to do. Yes. And then save and make it a goal. We make goals for everything else. To lose weight. To get mm-hmm. a better job. To have a good marriage. To you know do have this relationship with my kids. But do what is most important because that is what's going to give you the increase in your life, the increase for your kids. You know, what What I strive and think about is my children because how I live my life will pour out onto them. Absolutely. What I have is going to splash and overflow onto them. Amen. So I better do this right. Yes, it puts pressure on me, but the Bible should put pressure on you yes, to do it should. what's right. And so I know that if I do this right, not only will they see it and learn from my teaching and learn from it, what I receive pours onto them. Absolutely. Me being blessed is increasing my children's no life. Question. So that strives for me to do it. <laughs> That's a motivation in Absolutely. itself right there. No question. Is that I want to see my kids blessed, but how can I see them blessed? By by me operating in the biblical principle of the word of God. Absolutely. I want to pray for you before we go. I want to pray for those that are watching that God would, in this new year of 2020, bless you in the same way that he's blessed us and allow you to sow the largest seeds that you've ever sown in 2020 so that you'll see the largest harvests 
And you know what we're confessing? Violent increase, expedited favor for 2020. And so I'm going to pray for you because God gives seed to the sower. When he knows your heart is the heart of a sower, he can trust you to release anything. And so my prayer for you today is going to be this, that for you and your household, God will put the largest seeds in your hand in 2020 that he has ever put in your hand and that you'll not only quickly release them, but see a quick harvest come back and, and put you into a place where what we're confessing comes to pass. Violent increase, expedited favor. So Father, I pray right now for every man and woman watching, Lord, the faithful, those that are putting you first, a God first mentality. I pray in this new year that you would put the largest seeds in their hand that they've ever sown. Let this be a year that they give more in total to the kingdom than they ever have, but also let it be a year that they break all of their giving goals, even with one-time seeds that they're sowing. If they've never sown $1,000, Lord, let them have a $1,000 seed put into their hand that they can sow into your kingdom. Maybe they've never given 10,000 to your kingdom. Let this be the year they release it and see the increase come back from it. Let this be the year that we overflow in your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Let us see increase on every side as we're faithful to obey your word and your commandments. We love you, Lord. We love your kingdom. We love your purpose. We love your agenda. And we will be faithful to stand in always and stand in strong support of your desire, your agenda, your purpose on the earth. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you and we give you praise. Amen. I'll pray you'll be, I'm praying you'll be blessed. This is going to be your year of increase. And we want to encourage you to sow a seed by faith because it can't just be something we talk about. It's got to be something that we take action to accomplish. Follow the example of those that have gone before you even today on the broadcast, Roe and, uh, and others that have already sown seeds, That's seeds that have already come, Pastor, yeah, Pastor Joel in UK, uh, seeds that have already come through on the website, Cash App. Be faithful. And do what the Lord asks you to do. Pray right now and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to release into your kingdom today that is going to bring overflow into my house, my life, my family? And then take a step of faith and do what God's asking you to do. It's different for everybody. Everybody's at a different level of blessing. Everybody's at a different level of faith. But what you have to be able to do is activate your faith at the level where you stand currently. And that's what God looks at, and it's what he honors. And so those of you that are sewing, if you're on Periscope or Facebook, you can use hashtag donate. Uh, if you'd like to use one of these apps, the info for um, PayPal's on the screen. If you use Cash App, our cash tag is MWGive. And then many of you are going to MiracleWord.com to sow your seed and are partnering with us. And we want to say thank you for those that are standing with us in partnership. And I do want to say, <clears throat> with eight days left, every person that sows this month $100 or more, we're going to be sending you what I consider to be the absolute best book on fasting and prayer that was ever written uh, to this point, God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace. This book will change your life and open your eyes to things on prayer you've never seen, things on fasting you've never seen. And for those that have already given 100 this month or you'd like to give uh, $100 this month or more, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and claim this book and we'll send it to you in the mail. And then for those that are giving $1,000 or more in this month of January, we're going to be sending you a genuine leather, new living translation of the Bible. Um, one of my favorite translation of scripture. And I use it all the time for my devotions. It's great to read. It's great for your children. It's great for you. 
Uh, very plain English. I love it. And uh, so everybody that's selling $1,000 or more, we're going to send you not only that book, but also that uh, genuine leather Bible that I'm going to make out to you and your family to say thank you uh, for sewing. Sarah, you too. We love you. Thanks for hanging with us. Carolyn will be back with me tomorrow. Oh, I got invited back. Friday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And then Saturday, we're out of here. Saturday, we're headed all the way to Albemarle, North Carolina for Kickstart 2020. And if you can be there, let me strongly encourage you to be there January 26th through February the 2nd, Sunday, two services, Monday through Friday at 6.30, and then Sunday, February the 2nd at 10.30 in the morning. And then don't forget, tomorrow morning launches Mountain Moving Faith Course in Miracle Word University. You do not want to miss it. First 100 people uh, get 15% off until February the 1st. It's only open for seven days, and uh, I'll give you that discount code tomorrow. You do not want to miss this one. It's going to be a phenomenal course. I can't wait. I'm very excited. We love you so much. Thanks for hanging with us. Sorry about the power outage. Uh, did you see that? Is there going to be another kids live yeah, soon? Yeah, I actually was thinking that the other day. We need to make one. We've got some things in the works for your kids to awesome stuff. get involved with, listen to. So we're working on that. I was just running some ideas past my team yesterday and the day before trying to figure this out because it has really, really taken off around the world. Uh, we've got kids all over that are joining in and I and I really want to get that out there and show this to your children who are participating as well that it's not just them that there are so many kids out there that are jumping on board and getting a part of Miracle Word Kids absolutely because we're gonna get them filled with the Word of God and living victorious love you too Bonnie day. yeah it's awesome so we'll give you a heads up on that and obviously we're gonna have a whole lot more um, for kids available here in the, in the near future. I'm working on a couple things myself uh, and I'm very excited about it. I can't talk about it yet because you know what happens, I always get in trouble for talking about it before it happens, but. It's gonna be a busy year. It's gonna be so a busy year. stay tuned all year long. I'm excited. Stuff for you. <laughs> we love you guys. We'll see you again tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Have an awesome and a blessed day and we'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.